At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's up, family? Thank you for tuning in to the Dream Nation podcast. My name is Casanova. I'll be your host, and I'm excited to be bringing to you entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and trailblazers from around the world. Stay locked in with us because we're about to go on a journey that will change your life. What's up, Dream Builder? We are back again with another episode, and I'm excited today to be bringing to you a mastermind when it comes to having an unbreakable mind. And that's with all pun intended. Today we have on the show my friend, Mr. Mark Devine. Mark, you want to go ahead and say what's up to Dream Nation? <laughs> Casanova, thanks for having me. What's up, Dream Nation? I hope you're unbeatable or unbreakable. We'll go with both. And uh, you're rocking it today. We're going to learn something about mental toughness and resiliency and how to train to be someone special. Yeah, absolutely. So I always love to start off the, the show by comparing us as entrepreneurs to superheroes. And the reason being is because we're constantly flying around the world. I know you were just telling me about all of the speaking engagements that you do. And we're putting on our cape and we're trying to solve some of the world's biggest problems. And so what I would like to know is what we all see from the outside looking is, is we see this S on the chest. We see this Navy SEAL guy. We see this best-selling author. We see that he's helped 10 of thousands of people understand how to have an unbeatable or an, an unbreakable mind. Um, but what we don't know is behind the scenes, who is that Clark Kent? Who's that guy that when none of the cameras are on, who is the behind the scenes of Mark Devine? <laughs> you know, um, I'm a, a pretty simple guy. Like I, I just <laughs> love spending time uh, with my wife and my son. I don't, you know, I don't hang out with a lot of other people. I have friends and whatnot, but most of the the people that I tr uh, I'm friends with or peers with are people I train with. So, you know, I do teach this. So there's there's a lot of synchronicity between what I teach and how I live, and I think there's a lot of integrity there. What what you're referring to might be people's impressions of me that may not be right or, or incorrect. So I you know I spend the first four. I would say at least four hours of my day, you know, training myself to be a better person, uh, wow. physically, mentally, emotionally, intuitionally, and spiritually. I call those the five mountains. It's a, it's one of those um, no shit stands that I have. Like it's so important to me to continue my own evolution and to take conscious control of that evolution and to take serious action on that every day. That I don't allow anything to disrupt that. So I don't take any meetings, no podcasts, no really nothing until 10 a.m. every morning. That's really interesting. Most people wouldn't think that of me. Um, you know, so I really believe in walking my talk and leading and living by example. So I would say that I'm a living example. If you want to, people say, are you just, you know, Navy SEALs are badasses. I say, yeah, I am a badass, but I'm also a yogi. I've been doing Zen meditation since 1985. I'm a lifelong martial artist. You know, I go on multiple spiritual retreats every year. I, you know, I am on a quest to be a fully evolved human being. And being a Navy SEAL is just a chapter in my life, and I'm proud of it. And, you know, I can't ever deny that it 
I learned some incredibly valuable lessons, both in becoming a SEAL and, and leading other individuals in those dangerous, um, crazy situations. But, you know, I'm more into the self-actualization and uh, learning um, how to teach others some of the things that I've learned in my life. Those, that's what really fires me up. Yeah, no, I, I love it. And it's funny because over this last week, especially, I've been getting very, very deep into conscious versus subconscious mind. Yeah. Right. And and you mentioned a little bit of the, the conscious in the beginning. So I guess my question for you is, at what point did you decide that you wanted to to go down a more spiritual path? Because just like you said, when you're a Navy SEAL, you're always thinking I'm a badass. But that also mm -hmm. means that I have to be a little bit more physical than mental is what a lot of people think. So where did it turn for you or did you always have this inner tuition even before you got into the Navy SEALs that this was a path that you wanted to go down? Yeah, it, it definitely, let, let me first say it had nothing to do with any kind of religious upbringing. I mean, yes, my family is a Christian family. We were Episcopalian and I went to church when I was younger, but I didn't have any real kind of spiritual experiences, what you would consider to be like connection with the ephemeral or non-physical or experience of, you know, Christ consciousness or anything like that until um, I got into Zen meditation and I did that as part of a martial art and so I, I first was looking for physical and mental training and I did this in um, after college right after college when I went to New York uh, um, training to be a CPA with Coopers and Librand and then going to NYU business school at night and uh, I was an athlete for you know through for most of my life and through college and I wanted to stay fit you know there's something about my whatever my essence my nature that said you know what I, I know there's a way to stay fit forever and this is back in the 80s so I'm going to figure it out and I didn't like what I saw in the corporate world you know everyone kind of sliding into these lives of quiet desperation and it started with losing their body and when you lose your body you eventually lose your mind as you know right it leads to right those two are interconnected you can't separate the body and the mind. So I decided to stay, uh, put myself on a routine that would keep me fit and to, to keep it up. And so I would get up and run every morning in the park and I would do my, um, once I started meditating, I would do my meditation after my run. And then I would um, go to the gym at lunchtime when everyone else would go out and have, you know, lunch and a beer often or something like that. And, and then I was going to night school, but I had a couple hours between, you know, when the Coopers would let me off and when I went to night school. So I was looking for something else, and I found um, there's a deeper story there, how I found it and why. But I found this amazing martial arts school that um, where the Grand Master was also a Zen master and the founder of this whole style of karate, and he was headquartered in New York. And he, so he became my first true mentor. And so I went in there thinking, oh, this is cool. I'm just going to learn karate, and I, I'm going to become more confident, learn how to handle myself in a street fight or something like that. Good day, Dream Builder. Hey, if you're anything like me, then you're always on the go. You're always grinding. But at the end of the day, you understand that your health is wealth and that you got to work smarter, even though every single day you're trying to get 1% better and you're trying to work harder. That's exactly why I want to introduce you to Green Chef. Green Chef is the first USDA certified organic meal kit company. And what I love about Green Chef is they make cooking easy. They got dinner options that work for your lifestyle, not the other way around. But on top of that, I love that the ingredients come pre-measured, perfectly portioned, and mostly prepped. So you can spend less time stressing and more time enjoying delicious home-cooked meals. And for that, I'm definitely rocking with Green Chef. 
So if you're looking for the number one meal kit for eating well, I want to encourage you to head on over to greenchef.com forward slash 90, that's 90 Casanova. Again, that's greenchef.com forward slash 90 Casanova. And use the code 90 Casanova to get $90 off, and that does include free shipping. So again, that's greenchef.com forward slash 90 Casanova, and use the code 90 Casanova to get your $90 off, and that includes free shipping. Now let's get back to it. But what I found is, um, you know, the Zen meditation was not mandatory. We did a little bit of meditating before and after each class, but what he had a dedicated group of students who would show up every Thursday night for an hour-long sit. And obviously they were doing this every day on their own as well. And so out of thousands of students in that school, there were about 10 of them. And, you know, this is early in the meditation world. And I joined them as a white belt, and they were all black belts. And, and I just, there was something about it. Right, and so it took me some time, but I, I had some experiences over the four years that I was in New York doing all that that completely changed my life, and I 100% attribute it to the meditation. Now, was I a spiritual warrior when I was doing that? No, but I did kind of open myself up to the possibility that there was way more going on that met, met my eye. Right, and. That process led me to completely change the story of the life I was living. And I, so I left New York, walked away from my MBA. I got the, the certificates, but walked away from the career that my MBA and CPA had led me to um, to become a warrior because it was my spirit that was speaking to me when I was sitting on the meditation bench when I was able to quiet my mind enough to hear the messages, right? So that was like a formative experience when I was 21 to 23, 24 years old. And I was like, Wow. That's cool. And so I wanted to continue that journey. Now, in the SEALs, the SEALs are largely, you know, you have to have the physical skills and even, even to get in, but it is the mental strength and your emotional resiliency that get you through the training and into the SEALs. So that was a really interesting journey for me because I really developed some significant mental strength, like deep, deep powers of concentration, the ability to, like, laser focus on a mission until it's accomplished, and then the emotional skills to be a really good teammate. You know, to check my ego at the door. And we all have a personality we want to bring to the table. And I would say ego and personality are the same. But when you kind of check that and, and you, you're able to, to um, allow other personalities and allow the team's collective personality to be the main thing, to focus on getting shit done, then you get a lot more shit done in a better way. And that's why yeah. the SEALs are so successful. It's not a bunch of individuals going off and tra tracing down Bin Laden. It's a, it's a team. And that team has got a really highly refined team kind of hive mind that can do stuff that other teams can't do because they're they're relying on intuition and the explosive power of that team you know morphogenic field let's call it so that also had a quasi kind of spiritual feeling to it when when we we're in total flow state on a mission and and accomplishing things and having I had some incredible experiences in the seals my life I, I have a powerful set of protectors you know i'll give you a quick example casanova so one day i'm walking to the firing range and i feel this hand on my shoulder and I, a voice whisper in my ear and says just just stop right here so i'm like okay so i stopped and as soon as that happened someone had an accidental discharge with a nine millimeter you know weapon the six hour and the bullet went like grazed my ear and had i taken that next step it would have gone right into the back of my head 
Right. And so I, you know, I turned around to be like, A, to see who tried to shoot me by mistake, and B, who is the guardian angel who told me to stop? And there was nobody there. Wow. No physical person that I could see. So, you know, wow. that's just one of s- numerous examples that of, of just weird, cool stuff happening, you know, intuitive stuff, you know. And so military spec ops guys in particular tend to get really um, – the longer they stay in and the more of these kind of experiences they have where, you know, they just know that there's a bomb there. Now, how do you know there's a bomb there? Because no, you can't see it. There's nobody told you it was right. there, but you know there's a bomb there. Well, the only way that's possible is, you know, if, if we're operating at a, a subatomic quantum, you know, non-physical level where information is the main thing about our lives. And in, in your mind is the receiver and the coordinator and the organizer of that information. It's not your physical reality that's the main thing. That's just responding to how your mind thinks and receives information. So is that spiritual or is that mental strength, right? It's both. It's both because yeah. the mind, body, and spirit come together into this thing we call be, being human. So those experiences, when I got out of the SEALs, I was like really fascinated, like, wow. A, I want to teach other SEALs what I learned and how I was able to be a good, effective, intuitive, emotionally mature leader. And B, I wanted to keep learning. And that's when I stumbled upon um, Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, and I got into and, and Paramahansa Yogananda's Autobiography of Yogi. So my martial arts experience then merged into a, a deep yoga slash martial arts slash meditation practice. And that was like in 1999 or something like that. And then so I've practiced that every day. I even have my own yoga program that is based upon that integration. I call it Kokoro Yoga. Kokoro means merging the heart and mind into your actions. Anyways, I, I didn't wow. exactly answer your question, but... <laughs> Once I get off on a tangent, no, it, it's so much that. value in that, right? There's there's so much value in that, and I know that somebody else is listening at this right now, and they're very intrigued, just like me. And I think for me, I've been on this spiritual journey right now, especially over the last three to six months, and I've had you know quite a bit of success, but I've went through you know probably top one percent. Not I wouldn't say top one percent because a lot of people go through adversity, but anybody who's watching or listening and, and they've seen my story, I've been through adversity that very few people have, right? And so. So for me, as I've as I've had this success of where I've came from to where I am today, it's also got me to reprogram my mind because now when you start to move from things being physical, like you said, to really the mental state, and when you're trying to go to another level, that that it, it brings you to question yourself more That's than right. you ever have. Right. And sometimes I think the the issue that I've encountered, and I've even you know talked to other people about, is you know at what point do you stop talking to or stop listening to yourself and start talking to yourself and that's a challenging thing to do because you said that like hey I, I sat with my thoughts and I was in deep, deep meditation and I really started to listen to the messages that were coming to me. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes if those messages are coming to you and it's like, well, how do you know at what point you say mind, body, spirit, but how do you know at what point which message you should listen to and which message you should say, ah, shut up to? <laughs> yeah, I for me, it's trial and error, right? Because, you know, I've often heard that, like, how do you know if intuition isn't just a bias, you know? Or a reactionary <laughs> pattern from some trauma, like, like here's a great example of that. When people say, "You know, I'm a great, you know, judge of character on first impression," and the answer is that's usually bullshit. That's usually a projection or a transference. Projection being, you know, you've got some emotional 
issue or trauma and you're you've hidden it from yourself and so someone who reminds that reminds you of that which is inside of you you project onto them and then you say oh i'm a good judge of character because i'm projecting onto casino you don't know you're projecting onto casinovia that you know he's right. not trustworthy everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What the reality is, I don't trust myself. So that's a projection. A transference is like, you know, my uncle, here's my a good one. My uncle Al was just kind of this lascivious, just a-hole, right, who um, really kind of just made me feel icky, right? And so if I ever come across a person who reminds me of my Uncle L, then immediately I transfer that onto him. <laughs> and, you know, the person might make me feel icky. But he could be the nicest person in the world. <laughs> so that's not, right. that's not your spirit talking to you. That is conditioned stuff from the past that you need to really um, unearth and uh, clean up as part of your growth because that stuff will limit spiritual growth. It will limit your ability to listen and to hear the soul's message or the spirit's messages. And I certainly had that going and on. And is it, when you say clean up, Greg, because it's like you got to, you got to unlearn, right? And, and that, that stuff is programmed into your subconscious mind, mm -hmm. right? Which is building over, you know, they say that your conscious mind doesn't even form until around eight years old, seven to eight Correct. years old. That's so right. everything else up until then is just being thrown into your subconscious mind, mm -hmm. which ultimately is, you know, how you feel and what keeps you safe. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about unlearning and then relearning, right, to, to, mm -hmm. to be able to trump, would you say it's as simple as just finding a story that can trump the other story that you're telling yourself? Or what's a way that people can start down the path of, first off, like you said, letting go of that past, so unlearning, but then mm -hmm. being able to reprogram their mindset so they don't get limited? Yeah. Well, I love this idea of unlearning, but to unlearn something, you've got to learn what it is you need to unlearn first. And so the first step, uh, Casanova, is to, is to begin to recognize the actual patterns of what's going to hold you back. And you're right. The first seven years, seven to eight years, are when most, like 95% of the trauma and the emotional shadow and issues that people deal with are formed because of that undifferentiated kind of child mind which is just pure receptive so anytime a trauma even just being in the uh, other room while listening to your parents scream at each other or argue or you know or have a major disagreement that's that's really traumatic you know for a, for a three or four year old mind or even a one-year-old mind and that's going to imprint right as fear um, so at any rate first we got to become aware of what those traumas are and how they make us react right through judgment through transference through repression suppression all that kind of stuff and the way to do this is either through or a combination is both of like mindfulness practice where you you learn to begin to watch the patterns and and to to be able to discern disruptive patterns that are not serving you versus really positive patterns and um, a process of therapeutic support right through a trained emotional coach let's just call it where that person okay. can hold a mirror up to you you know the problem with these emotional issues that we need to unlearn as you say 
is that we're inside the bottle. We can't read the label, right? We don't see them in mm. ourselves. Other people might see them in us as a shadow. That's why we call it a shadow. It's like you present one way, but what's really happening is the shadow that you trail behind you. You know, the, what, what people are experiencing is this other stuff. That's why someone could, you know, come into the room all happy, glad, and, what you, and you're left with feeling like, ugh. You know what I mean? That guy just stabbed me in the back mentally, <laughs> right? Because that was his shadow or her shadow. So my point is the first thing is to learn what the patterns are that you need to work on. And then, you know, to you take that pattern and you literally you, you, you create a separation between you and that pattern. So what I'm saying by that is when a lot of times when it's subconscious, you don't recognize that it's happening and you just are. You become the anger. You become the rage. You become the projection or you become the shame or you become the guilt. It's like your ego just identifies with that. When we learn what we need to unlearn, then we can take that thing and like literally as a thought pattern, we can pull it outside of us to, and look at it. And this is where you can journal, you can write it down, you can write the story about it. And or you can have that therapist kind of hold you hold up the space and say, this is how you're acting. And then you create that separation. Say, oh, that's not that's not who I am. That's behavior that I've learned that can be unlearned. That right there for a lot of people is massively transformative because now they recognize that they they are not anger that's just they have something to be angry about and now they can work on forgiveness but before that there was no room for forgiveness because just pure unbridled you know reaction because the programming runs so deep like you said it might be right. from the first year of your life or even in utero so now now let me just say so that's the first part the second part is to and this is where you know, we, we go deep on this stuff in our Unbeatable Mind program is, is, to, is to use imagery and gu guided imagery if you have a coach or in your own. We have a practice called recapitulation where you go back and you relive those events to really try to understand them and to look for the positive quality that came from it. Because every, you know, every challenge that you have had, including in the last year, has a silver lining. It has a reason. Right. And that reason is for your own growth. Right. And that growth, you you know, when you can see the growth that comes from the challenges and even the trauma that we, we have in early childhood, then you can recharacterize and, and um, put in that new energy into that that moment. So the recapitulation process has two points. One is to to understand what happened and to forgive yourself and whoever the perpetrators were and to diminish the power of the negative side of that event. And the second is to recontextualize it, reframe it, and to implant the positive lesson as a sense of knowingness and appreciation. And then when you do that, those, those three steps, right? The awareness of and then the recapitulation and reducing the negative and enhancing the positive uh, leads to healing. And you might, you know, the more traumatic things, like let's say sexual abuse, which is really hard, um, you have to do this many times. You know, you might end up doing this over a course of a, a year or two, but eventually every, every time you do this practice or this process, it just, it de-energizes the negative and it re-energizes the positive. We call that starving f the fear wolf by feeding the courage wolf. Right, you're doing mm. both. You're deliberately withholding the food for the negative. This is why talk therapy is, 
you know, talk therapy is just to open the door. But if, if all you do is talk therapy for years and years and years, all you're doing is feeding the fear wolf because you're just talking about the event that happened. You're not doing anything to decharge it and to make it a more positive association with it. Wow. Isn't that interesting? I think that that's so important. Very because interesting. Because here's the thing. I fully believe that, you know, we're all on this evolutionary journey. And many of us, especially your generation, you know, I'm, I'm older than you, and I feel very blessed to have come across yoga and Zen at a young age. And I'm absolutely passionate about teaching this stuff. But it's, you know, and I'll do my part to change the world. But it's, it's your generation and the next that are going to actually transform this world into the Garden of Eden again and heal and get rid of nuclear weapons and whatnot. Because there's this massive movement of people like you who are just getting it at an early age. And I absolutely love to see that. So what, they're, what I mean by that is they're waking up to this idea that we are spiritual beings having this human existence and that negativity is the source of all the chaos and bullshit that's happening in the world. And we have to be positive and project love, connection, abundance into the world, starting with ourselves. And when we can get millions, then hundreds of millions, and then billions of people thinking positively, thinking and understanding that we are stewards of the earth, we're not here to rape the earth, Everybody is important. Everybody is absolutely beautiful on the inside, you know, even if they're challenged, right? Even if, the, you know, someone may call them evil, they still have the, the goodness on the inside. It's just hidden from them. So when we start right. thinking this way, that's when the world will change. It won't change by trying to build new institutions or fighting against the old. It's changes, like Gandhi said, changes one person at a time from the inside out. So I love that. So you, but more and more people wake up to that. But what holds them back is they don't know how to grow. They don't know how to take conscious evolution or pro conscious control over their evolution. This is why I'm teaching that. How do you take conscious control over your evolution? How do you grow faster? How do you grow and see enlightenment in seven years instead of maybe hopefully in three lifetimes from now, right? There's a way to do that. And the great spiritual traditions taught this. And so that's one of the things I'm bringing to the, you know, through Unbeal Mind is a process of accelerated vertical development or vertical growth where you evolve your consciousness and you take conscious control over that. And part of that is to absolutely do the emotional work because, you know, one of my meditation teachers, Casanova, said that if you're an asshole and you meditate for 20 years, you're likely to be a more focused asshole because the assholeness comes from the emotional trauma. It's the, it's the negativity and the fear that's blocking the positive qualities that, that'll come out or are trying to come out. So you can wake up and you continue to try to, you know, evolve. But if you don't do the emotional work, then you're going to just get stuck. Or you're going to do what they call a spiritual bypass, where you have all these people walking around acting all spiritual and all perfect and everything. But, you know, they're not living the life. They're not walking the talk. And they, can, they can be still mean and angry and project all sorts of bullshit into the world. You yeah. see that. A lot. You've probably oh, come across absolutely. that a lot. Yeah. So we got to do well, both. You got to wake up and you got to evolve, take care of your uh, own evolution, and you got to do the emotional cleanup. And then as that process happens, the spiritual side just naturally unfolds. It's not like you can train your spirit. Your spirit is, it is what it is. It's perfect. But you can train your body, mind, and emotions to be able to allow spirit to shine through clearly. You know, the, when my Zen teachers talked about polishing the mirror, it's like, the mirror of your mind, let's say mind and emotions, you know, because subconscious, conscious, the same thing. 
it's dirty. And so you look at it, you don't get a clear reflection of who you are. So you mistake yourself for something else. But the more you polish that mirror through daily training and practice, the clearer and clearer it gets. And, you, and, and then your real self, your true self is reflected clearly through that. And then you live from that, you know, from that perspective. It's more pure. It. There's so much value in that. And I'm sure somebody right now is, is their mind's blown, right? <laughs> because you have so much wisdom that you've already shared with us. I know one of the things that it was challenging for me, but I continue, like you said, to practice it daily. And I think that it goes with the emotional part is affirmations. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, especially if you don't come from the world of Zen or anyone in your family that's practicing meditation or yoga or any of the vibrations, I think meditation could be looked at as like dumb or like goofy or you're being crazy because you're continuously talking to yourself. You're not listening. And so my question to you is like, how much has affirmations, if any, played a part in your emotional state of of trying to become, you know, more of a thought leader on the positivity side? Has that been a big thing or is it like ah, affirmations? They can work, but a lot of the times they don't. Well, I think affirmations are useful but they're just part of the puzzle. And so, you know, without understanding why an affirmation is useful or valuable, then oftentimes, you know, it doesn't seem to do anything for you. So hmm. there's a couple of things that affirmations do for us when we have a good one. And a good affirmation is, is a statement or a phrase or a, or a song or a jody or even just a word that is positive is, you know it, it like just saying it invokes positive vibrational energy you know like saying love is gonna feel good to you and and saying to yourself and believing in fear or hate is gonna have a different quality so if you're walking around saying hate 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 then that you know you're gonna be starting to vibrate that level eventually so you want to have a word or a phrase that's very positive and that you resonate it's your word like you own it and it's meaningful to you and so when you say it to yourself it has you know, I like to say we got to say it, you got to see it, and you got to feel it. So right. you, it's not just a words that, you know, you don't care about, you're not connected to, but it's a, ser it's a series of words that when you say them, it evokes some imagery and a feeling. So let give an example. My affirmation when I went through SEAL training, and I, I said it probably a trillion times, so much so that it's the first thing I hear in my mind when I wake up in the morning, was I'm feeling good, I'm looking good, I ought to be in Hollywood. It was just mm, fun. It kind of, you know, it rhymed. I would say this when I was running, when I was swimming, you know, whenever I was in a suffering moment because it made me feel positive and it gave me energy. The second thing a mantra does like that, affirmation and mantra, by the way, are the same thing. A mantra okay. is just an affirmation that's repeated over and over and over, right? So I like to think they're the same thing. The second thing that it does is it gives you the power to f to concentrate better because it crowds out other distracting thoughts or thoughts that want to lead you down a different path. So, you know, it, in the moment, if you're working on a challenging thing or something challenging is happening, and but you need to focus, you know, you get that mantra playing in your head and you allow that to be like a police force. You know, the, they got the barricades up and you're, you're blocking all the, it's the white robed police force blocking the negative chatter the negative thoughts um all the shit that's going to come up and it's just allowing you to stay focused so that's really important now a lot of people will just use affirmations and they'll think well that's going to just make me that 
but they don't understand that they have a subconscious or emotional slash subconscious pattern that is in direct contradiction to what this affirmation is saying. So if I said, I'm feeling good, I'm looking good, you know, the second part, you know, I ought to be in Hollywood. It didn't come true for me, but, you know, close enough. I'm a successful author. I meant just I want to be successful at a big level in a meaningful way. And for that, back in the SEAL training was to be the number one candidate or just to be, to graduate. And I ended up being the number one candidate in my class of 185 and 19 of us graduated and I was number one. But it's largely the Zen training that allowed me to really stay focused and in the moment and to have these skills like breath training and the mantra and the imagery. But you could have a, a positive affirmation and a negative emotional state and it's just going to cancel each other out. So so affirmations are only as good as your willingness to also do the emotional work to route out the belief system that could cancel out the affirmation that says I'm feeling good and I'm looking good. Or like one of the most famous affirmations um, was from this guy named Emile Cue. He was a French doctor who was healing people by getting them to think positively about themselves. And his affirmation was day by day in every way, I'm getting better and better. And he had him say it all day long for weeks. You know, we had him do other things too, right? Go on a vegetarian diet, start to exercise, get some sunshine, you know, breathe deeply, right? This is like in the 1800s. He was considered a quack, but he was transforming people, healing them from cancer and diabetes and all sorts of crazy diseases, you know, through the power of positive thinking. But he was also working on them at an emotional level and a, you know, spiritual level by getting him outside and in nature and you know grounded and meditating and so the combination of these things is really what's important that's why i think the future for both healing and development is integrated development integration of you can't just do one thing one size doesn't fit all like if you and i are working together personally and i said and you came to me and said hey mark coach me on this stuff i, I really want to go deeper i would you know assess you and where are you at what, what are your strengths what are your weaknesses how's your physical being right do you train exercise every day how do you eat how do you sleep you know what does all that look like good because that's going to tell me what we need to do on the physical mountain right because some people just need to fine-tune some people need to train less even and some people need to ramp things up and then I'm going to ascertain the quality of your mind like what have you done for mental development how's your you know if you have a meditation practice what are you specifically doing what are your experiences what does your mind need right now if it's really distracted, then it just needs to learn how to concentrate and to decrease the clutter, right? If you've got a, a good handle on that, like most Navy SEALs are, can concentrate like, you know, like the most intense people in the world. So what they need to do is maybe, you know, st take the gas pedal off the concentration and learn to just relax into the experience of being more so they can connect more with their, their heart and their intuition. So I would assess where you're at emotionally, physically, mentally, emotionally, not so worried about the intuition and the spirit yet because, like I said, that's really the fruits of the labor, right? That's once you till the field and you plant the seeds physically, mentally, and emotionally and do that kind of work, then the fruit that grows out of that is a deeply intuitive sense of what the right thing is for you, right? And, and like you said, asking questions. Instead of just thinking, 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 you pause and you're like, you know, what's the right thing for me right now? And then you listen and then you hear. And that, that, that hearing can come from your, your gut's intelligence, your heart's intelligence, or what we call direct perception, which is the mind's insight, where you just know something without knowing why or how you would ever know it, right? Those are the three kind of ways we experience intuition.
So I don't know I if I answered it. your question, but yeah, no, again, a thousand percent. No, like it's there's it's this is fascinating. It really is. My question. So here's another thing that I'm curious to know. Uh, you, when you said it, especially when you're going through SEAL training, things like that, a lot of the times you have one mission, right? And mm -hmm. it's easier to focus on that because you know you have this one mission. Mm -hmm. How much of it, when you're talking about people figuring out who they are and, and being able to do the emotional work and, and the subconscious work, is them having one direct goal versus like how big is goals and, and writing it all down and everything in the beginning because yeah. I feel like, and even me, I, I've struggled with this as well. When you have a lot of talents, right? Like that can become, and I've done some of the, the hard work on doing the research. Um, like, I don't know if you're familiar with, there's a guy named Donda uh, Pani, and he's like a monk. And uh, and so I watched it and he was talking about, you know, if you think about it, the, your biggest enemy is distractions. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you've been talking a lot about focus. And I know for me, when I've always, I've done so many different things and I've had success at a lot of things that then it's hard to focus on what is that one thing, like you just said, what am I supposed to be doing yeah. right now? But yeah. when you ask yourself that question and then you don't necessarily get an answer and you're like, okay, I'm gonna take the work and I'm gonna, what am I supposed to be doing right now? And you ask yourself this 10, 15, 25 times, but you don't get an answer. How do you respond off of something like that and, and stay focused rather than just saying, okay, I'm gonna revert back to doing all of these different things? Yeah, it's such a great question. This is you know, sort of kind of what I tortured myself with and went through on the meditation bench when I was in, you know, as working toward becoming a certified public accountant and then, you know, a wealthy businessman and then maybe running the family business when I was sitting on the bench, none of that felt right. Right. And so I started mm -hmm. to ask questions. Why does that not feel right for me? What's wrong? Is that really what I'm meant to do? So sometimes here's the first point is sometimes we've got to ask, we've got to start with the negative. Like, what am I not supposed to do? And so it, it, those things, you know, when I started that process of the negation to narrow down to be able to even focus on what am I supposed to do, I broke it down into three questions, three meta questions. What am I passionate about? What am I principled about? And what is, what is my purpose? And, and I have to be clear, when I started with purpose, I was thinking it was doing. But the more I got into it, I recognized that it was a beingness, right? It was not about what I do. Like, I didn't get any signals when I was sitting on that bench over four years that said, I'm meant to be a Navy SEAL or I'm meant to, my, my purpose is to be an admiral in the Navy SEALs or to serve my country. No, I got a sense of beingness that I was meant to be or I am a warrior. And I am um, meant to serve in that way, at least at this point in my life. So I asked questions, I started, you know, I tried to start with purpose because everybody wants to go straight to the answer. Like, what am I supposed to do? First of all, they're asking the wrong question. They should be asking, how am I supposed to be? And another way to think of that is, what is my archetypal journey? And you can look at the arc of your life and the decisions you've made and the things you're attracted to and the people you hang around, and you can start to parse out what's really you and what's the shit that's been holding you back, right? Which is usually your, you know, your shadows, your codependence. For me, I was being held back by my codependence, but my spirit was always leading me to you know to pointing in the other direction so what are you passionate about when and i mean codependence by like your job of like going to school well getting the MBA, what yeah yeah following my following the path that was laid out for me by my parents not questioning it you know not wanting to say no not wanting to hurt people or disappoint them or let them down 
That's codependence. I was codependent on other people because I didn't want, you know, I didn't want to hurt the them. external factors. The yeah, yeah. And, factors. and this this happens when you. I grew up in a pretty, you know, my family had a lot of alcohol, multi generations, and my dad was a rager, and you know, all that kind of stuff. It's nothing that anybody who's listening hasn't dealt with or, or dealt with their own shit, like you said. But you know, it did shape me, and I had to, I had to figure out how to unshape that the negative side of that. And that's what we talked about already. So mm-hmm. back to this. So I asked, started with, what am I passionate about? And I'm like, I am. I, a few things came to mind. Well, I obviously loved working out. I loved training, physical training, and I loved that. I was loving the martial arts and the Zen. And um, in my childhood, I grew up in upstate New York and uh, spent a lot of time in the Adirondack Park during the summers. And I loved being out in nature alone. And I like doing hard things in nature. Like we used to run up the mountain peaks and then play tag on the way down. And I just, just love that. And that kind of led me to be an endurance sport athlete and whatnot. So I love that, right? So, okay, um, physical training, a commitment to, to training, being outside. You know, then I'm like, oh, interesting. So now I can point to what I don't like because I don't like being tied to a desk in a suit and tie every day. It's interesting. Then why am I going down this path? Well, there's a question I had to put off. You know, I couldn't just answer that question right away. And if I love being outside, why am I in a job that's got me inside? You know, twelve hours a day, and then I've got to work on weekends and all this kind of stuff. Interesting. Um, right. So, so by looking at asking yourself what you're passionate about, and then and then clarifying that by asking yourself what do you not like? What do you absolutely dispassionate about and you start to get a really interesting information right so then that's informative and then the second one is what am I principled about so when I asked that question it was really interesting because it was the first time and a principle is is like how do you want to really live what values and Mm -hmm. belief systems are really going to drive your behavior and I started to ask that to myself and you know the answers that I was getting back is like man I'm I'm really into respect right I, I really respect people who say what they're gonna do and do what they say um, I respect people who take care of themselves I respect people who are respectful and nice to everybody doesn't matter how you know doesn't matter if they're the janitor or the CEO doesn't matter what color what gender or orientation it, it you know humans are humans you know how they say right. say everyone's the same color on the inside Although I like people who are respectful and I want to be like that and so, so these things started to come up. And then I looked at my current, the way I was living and the, what I was doing in the corporate world. And I, and I was like, holy shit, guess what? There's a big gap between what I say that I respect and my principles are and the way either I'm living or the choices I'm making or the people I'm around. Because everyone was chasing money and everyone was chasing status. And not many people were very respectful and not many people were, very, were taking care of themselves. And I'm like, holy shit. So not only are these things I'm, I'm dispassionate about, I don't like, I like that. I'm also breaching what I now know are my principles. And so then I could look at and say, okay, knowing what I'm actually passionate about and not passionate about, knowing what I'm principled about and what I really want to move away from, how does this inform my sense of purpose, right? So you just sit with that and meditate on that and reflect on that and you ask questions. And what you, the purpose then starts to emerge as an archetype, right? The sense that, you know what? I'm doing this corporate job, but I really want to be outside. I want to be a warrior. I want to be doing, like, working with my hands. Now, I didn't know that that was going to be, you know, a Navy SEAL until I really 
got clear and then decided to point my, you know, point my mind in that direction. Now I didn't quit my job, but you know, my job, you know, I put it on autopilot. <laughs> my my right. performance probably suffered a little bit. People probably noticed, but I now pointed my mental an, uh, antenna toward what could that look like if my purpose is to be a warrior. And for, for me, a warrior is not a military guy necessarily. It could be any. You could do anything and be a warrior. It's an archetype. But in that stage of my life, I was definitely meant to be a warrior, and I was an athlete, and I wanted to be a leader. So you could say I was a warrior athlete leader. And I thought, how can I fulfill that? in a way that is in alignment with what I'm passionate about and my principles. Now, if all these things could come together, now we got the Holy Grail. And I still haven't asked about what I'm going to do. So when I fairly got clear, I said, okay, there's a certain things, things that I could do, certain vocations I could follow or pursue that I think would fulfill those. So I started a practice of visualizing myself in different roles. I visualized myself in the military flying jets. Mind you, Cass, uh, I, I do you go by Kaz or Kaz, yeah, Casanova? Yeah, Kaz is fine. Kaz? Yeah, Casanova, yeah. Kaz. It's, it's quicker Nova. to say. It's three, uh, one syllable versus three. So, <laughs> so I said, um, you know, I didn't know about the spec ops. Or I didn't know about the SEALs. I knew what special ops were. I didn't know about the SEALs. And, and so that was really fascinating. So I said, well, maybe flying jets would be it. So I visualized myself flying jets for the uh, Marine Corps for a while. And, um, you know, it was cool. But then it got really monotonous in my mind. It got really monotonous. Like, oh, I'm doing the same. It's just like pushing buttons and going fast. I said, I think I need more adventure because that's one of my, and I'm not really outside. I'm, I'm, I'm very, you know, technically kind of stuck in this cockpit. So then I visualized myself, well, maybe I meant to be, a, maybe a roughneck would f fill this bill. You know, you're supposed to go be on an oil rig like in the North Sea. You know, it's adventurous, kind of outside. So I tried that on and I visualized that. And I got kind of a similar thing. I'm, eh, you know, this is like maybe it's kind of like Groundhog Day a little bit. And um, I don't think I would have the, the adventure and the, you know, the mental stimulation doing this. Or even the diving part. That could be interesting, but I was like, no. So I did this with a number of things and didn't land anything right away. But one day I was walking home from... Um, work and I, I passed by a Navy recruiting office and I wasn't looking for the Navy. I wasn't even looking really into the military at that point. I was just, you know, it just crossed my mind as a possibility. And I, I kind of ruled out that, that jet thing. But when I crossed this, um, the window of this recruiting center, like it, I stopped in my track. Like I, almost like I told you before, I had that hand come on my shoulder. It wasn't quite the same because I caught my eye, my poster on the window caught my eye. And the title of the poster was Be Someone Special. It didn't say anything about the Navy SEALs, but when I looked at that picture, I just knew right away that that was what I was supposed to do. And there were you know, pictures of guys jumping out of airplanes in free fall and in this mini submarine under the ocean and a, a little sniper in a hindsight you could barely see or detect. I just sat there and stared at that going like, whoa. That is freaking cool. I want to know what that is. So I went back, you know, the day or two later, and I asked them. They said, well, you don't want to do that. <laughs> Those are the Navy SEALs. You're a bunch of crazy bastards. You know, you'll get yourself killed, or you don't have a chance of getting in. You know, those guys all are in the Navy already. Or, you know, they tried to give me every excuse in the world because they were right. They knew, A, those people were different than them, and, B, it was really hard to get into, really hard to get into. And I said, I'm in. 
I, I are, this is my path. I'm going for this. And so I went for it. And I was one of two people selected that year out of the civilian world. Everyone, you know, all the other, I was an officer, all the other officers, maybe 20 that year. So 18 came from the Naval Academy and, uh, or ROTC. So they're already in the military, basically. Right. Pay, getting their education paid for. And uh, they took two of us who were civilian words in other jobs and just said we wanted to do that. And um, the rest is history. So, you know, if I were to summarize, if you could, if you could find the center point where your passion, your purpose, and and your principles, all the stuff that's on the inside trying to come out, aligned, without worrying about the goals and the mission, the what, the doing, you know, the doing part, then the doing part will get much clearer to you, or often reveal itself to you, and you'll certainly be able to say no, 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 and then you're left with a much smaller category of yeses. And then you can use your rational mind and your intuition to kind of rack and stack the yeses into your mission or your current you know, project, let's say. So yeah, I it, love it. it. I love works. it. I think that's... It takes some time, yeah, though. Yeah, it does. So much wisdom. <laughs> so much wisdom, so many nuggets. But again, it does take some time, but it's at least a starting point, And it gives right. someone a framework. Um, and that's what a lot of people are looking for, right? They're looking to see where can I start right now right. with what I have, with where I am, right? And then just get a, a little bit of taste from A to B. And then that's where obviously coaches, just like you, your program comes in for me right. to dive deeper on this. So right. I appreciate you sharing it and sharing how it came about for you so someone can actually attach the story. So when they have that feeling, they say, ah, this is what he was talking about, right? right? So there, there's so much wisdom there. I love it. I, I want to say thank you for sharing that again. You're um, a question that I have, and I know we're going to be wrapping up here soon, but a question that I have for you is how much wiser you are now um, knowing, and I always ask this question, but a lot of people, or at least I used to ask it in the way that I would say if you could change anything. And a lot of people say, you know what, I wouldn't change anything mm -hmm. because it's got me to where I am today, which I always call out and I say it's a little bit of BS because, you know, things that happen, a lot of people say, hey, if I could, I would go back and change that, <laughs> right? Yeah. But I like to ask it in a different way now. Knowing how much smarter that you are now, how much wiser that you are now from your experiences, if there was one thing that you wish that you would have implemented sooner to accelerate your path on your journey and your dream of where you are today what would that one thing be it would be what I alluded to earlier and when we started this conversation the relentless disciplined commitment to protecting the first couple hours even if it's one hour of my day to do the inner work because, you know, and I, I started doing that and then I got in the SEALs and I got too busy and running around. And so a lot, of, I had to learn how to do the work kind of on the fly, you know, in the moment, on the plane, you know, in the, but now that I'm got a more of a normal life, when I got off active duty, let me, let me pause there. When I got off active duty and, and went in my first business, I had, um, I was like super stressed, you know, launching a business. I was, you know, all the entrepreneurs listening, like, it's hard to think about anything else. You wake up in the morning, you start thinking about it. You go to sleep, you're thinking about it, and there was, there was a lot of financial stress, and then I had relationship stress, and you know the whole relationship ended up blowing up. It was about four or five years of this. So I got away from my morning block, where I, that's where I call it now, winning in my mind before I step into the battle. And it was a freaking disaster. So once, that, once I got out of that and got some space and saw that, then wow, I'd, I'd kind of gotten away from my morning training and my meditation and my visualization. 
and my breathing practice and all, all those things I bring together into this integrated practice. And my life was going to shit. So I'm going to get back to that. And since then, I've never, you know, I'm, I've never not done it. And so if I, you know, I wish I had known all this stuff. That's why I'm so passionate about teaching it. Like the answers lie within, but you got to slow down and pause and look within and ask better questions than listen, like we've been talking about. And you got to carve out the time for that. And anyone who says, I don't have the time to meditate, I'm like, I call bullshit. It's like, you don't have the time not to meditate because your entire life will change. So guess what is it that you want? Do you want more and more of what you get right now? If that's what you want, then great, you're on a great path. But if you don't feel content, if you don't feel peace of mind, if you don't feel love for all beings and reverence for the earth, then you got work to do. And the only way to do that work is to look within. So you need to carve out time in the morning or the evening or at least in the morning. Minimum 20 minutes, ideally, you know, 30 to 40 or an hour, right? And I would never, you know, I would go back and start that when I was 14 or 15, you know, and just never quit. And I think that if I had done that, I'd probably be, you know, more evolved than I am right now by far. So, so much wisdom. I just, wow, there's so much wisdom. Um, I, could, I, I was going to say, I just, I could have these conversations all day long. Right, like, and fun, I'm sure somebody it? else yeah. that's listening is like, oh yeah, we could definitely talk about this some more. But for first off, I want to ask for anybody who's still rocking what they're still listening and they're inspired by you. They're, they're loving your journey of where you are and they want to blaze a similar path. They want to stay connected with you. We'll put all of the links in the show notes, but where can they find you at? Well, my website is markdivine.com. The um, Unbeatable Mind Training is really powerful. If this inspired you, we have a cool introductory course, unbeatablemind.com slash challenge. It's free to try, and if you don't, you don't get benefit, then we don't have to pay anything. And then it's, not, it's really like cheap. I think it's like 99 bucks. All the basic skills that we talked about, I introduce them and I give you the fundamental tools over 30 days and 15 minutes a day. It's a really cool program. And then, you know, if you're into reading books, uh, my book, Unbeatable Mind, is probably a good place to start because it's kind of the meta philosophy of everything we talked about here. Thanks for Got asking. Got it. Well, definitely. Yeah, we'll put those links in the show notes. The last question I have for you is somebody that's out there that is, is listening and, and, like I said, watching, still rocking with us, and they have that little voice in their head, and we've all had it, we all have it, and we've talked about it, you know, numerous times in this episode, but that little voice says that they're not smart enough, they're not strong enough, or maybe they just don't have enough resources. What's the one thing that you would leave that person with to get them to just take action? Well, just first, just recognize that that's the trickster. That's your ego. It's not who you are. You are a, you are a spirit. You are vast, vastly bigger and have you know, incredible potential and positive qualities. And so that little voice is just trying to hide you from yourself. So stop listening to it. Now, how do you stop listening to it? You've got to start focusing on other things. Right? You've got to start practice of, of investigating your mind and understanding why that voice exists because there's a reason that voice exists. And until you understand that reason, that voice will lead you down the wrong path. And so you can you know everything we've talked about, you start with just breathing practice. I call it box breathing. It's in that 30-day challenge. The breathing will clear and calm your mind. And then your mind, that gives you the strength then to turn 
to begin concentration practice, and that concentration will will steal your mind further and allow you allow you to focus on that positive mantra or slash affirmation, which is going to st- begin to starve out that voice, and then that'll lead you to really beginning to appreciate why that voice exists. What was the the trauma that led to that sense of um, lack of self-worth, lack of confidence, and then to begin to work on that emotionally. And all this time, you're, you're doing this practice every day, you're starting to see your life change in unique ways because you're raising your positive uh, energy, your positive vibration, you're thinking better thoughts, and that's going to start to attract a positive feedback loop instead of a negative feedback loop. And you just chip away at this every day, you know, for six months, nine months. You know how fast a year can go. I mean, look at just a year ago. Was, you know, we were just starting the pandemic now, which is like we feel like we're ending it. Just do it for a year. And uh, my hunch is that that little voice will be gone and you'll be on a whole new path toward uh, wholeness. You have and, it. Yeah, what your potential is. Ooh-yah. There you have it. Again, I want to I be the first one, if no one has told you today, to say thank you and I appreciate you, my brother. Thank you. This has been a phenomenal conversation and I'm excited to share it with the world and I'm excited to hear the feedback on how many lives have changed off of this episode in particular because I know that my life definitely has been impacted, inspired, and uh, this episode is one that I will go back, re-listen to, and take so many notes from. Awesome. But just as he said, Dream Nation... You have to take action. You have to silence that voice because we all have a dream and I know you do. And if you do not take action on that dream, as you know, it will only merely be a fantasy. That's all for this one. We'll catch you on the next one. That's all we got for this episode. Thank you for sticking around. That truly means a lot to me. And hopefully that means that we delivered massive value on this one. If you haven't already, the way that you could say thank you to myself and the team is just by heading over to iTunes and leaving a review and a rating. That's what iTunes loves to see. That's how we get out there even more. And I would definitely, definitely be grateful for it. I know the team would as well. Do me a favor and head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com. That's where you're going to be able to find all of the resources that we talked about in today's episode, as well as more exclusive content. And you'll also be able to sign up to our email list where we have more exclusive content. And we always love to hear the feedback from you all because you're our tribe. So remember, in the dream we trust, we'll see you on the flip side. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.